Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello? Hey, have you heard the news? No? What's the word, Marge? It's the governor. Can you be any more specific? I couldn't really say. He wasn't circumcised. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They said they were going to the Twin Cities. He's moving on up. Yeah, is that useful to you? Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. Ah, yes. Change is good. And when it comes to sports talk, keeping it real ain't wrong. It's sports done right. Coming to you live from the new Palatio Grounds of Wright Manor, where the sports governor of Minnesota, Vince Wright, delivers a weekly address, unpacking and commanding all things Minnesota, Midwest, and sports talk. And yes, because your governor is also the Big Smooth, he's gone nationwide, folks, and can sometimes be found debating the Big Ten, Midwest, and other hot topics from his winter home, the Western White House. And while locations may change, one thing remains the same. This is Sports Done Right. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Vince Wright coming to you on the Sports Done Right podcast, the sports governor, as I am known, coming to you on a very, very brisk and chilly Monday evening. That's right, Monday evening. We haven't done a show in uh, almost a couple weeks, so definitely time to get back into the mix. And folks, we got a gopher legend coming up here in a couple minutes. The one, the only, Sweet Feet himself, Ricky Foggy, joined me. We just wrapped up the interview. It is a phenomenal interview. It is. It was a lot of fun to talk to Ricky. He's got a lot of great stories, a lot of stories um, about Lou Holtz and his how he got to Minnesota, his time playing in the Canadian Football League and finding success up there, winning a Grey Cup or two, and how he wound up getting into coaching the high school ranks here back in Minnesota as well. So Ricky Foggy coming up here on the Sports Done Right podcast. But before we digress to Mr. Foggy, I do got to talk to you about one thing, and that is this Gopher-Iowa game that is coming up this Saturday, 2.30 p.m. start. And, you know, I got to be honest with you here. I was going to write an article for gopherhole.com where I'm a contributor. But my cohort, my associate, Tony Liebert, he wrote a very good article that I want you all to check out at Gopher Hole. Because it basically kind of stole my thunder. It's it's a mid-season report, and it's called Gopher's Mid-Season Report. How do we get here? And, again, that's by Tony Liebert. Over at Gopher Hole, great Gopher Mind does a great job with us at Gopher Hole uh, following the Gophers. And he kind of talks a lot about what we all know. Um, you know, he refers to Athens' slow start in 2023 when we thought, you know, from what we saw last year was going to, you know, lead to bigger things this year. And let me get the stats here in this article. Ethan has completed 55.9% of his passes, 132 passing yards per game is what he's averaging, six touchdowns, six interceptions. And if you want to be, win a Big Ten championship, 
led or excuse me, a Big Ten West championship. Forget the Big Ten, just the Big Ten West championship, folks. That just isn't going to fly. And you know, Ethan has all the physical tools in the world. I think, you know, he just has to kind of take a deep breath, settle down. The play calling as well, which is another thing that Tony refers to in his article here, offensive play calling is something that hopefully with this bye week that the Gophers have really addressed and have really maybe rethought a couple of things and will come out with some new schemes and some new plans that hopefully will get Ethan going in the right direction. We have some really good running backs that we're, you know that we've seen here as well, um, but it's it, it always goes back to the passing game and lack thereof. Uh, Chris Altman Bell, we don't even really know what's going on with him, and I think that's kind of odd. Um, on the defensive side, again, Cody Lindbergh, he's not playing. Um, our best linebacker, so the Gophers are going to have to kind of rescheme things here on both sides of the ball because. As bad as the Gophers have been, they're still in play for the Big Ten West. And it starts this Saturday if they can find a damn way to beat, again, a very mediocre Iowa Hawkeyes team. And I and you'll hear Ricky Foggy talk about this towards the end of the interview I have with him because I asked him about this week's game with the Iowa Hawkeyes in Minnesota. But, man, say what you will about Iowa's offense – they're always solid defensively, and they just find a way. They just find a way. It's not, or excuse me, it's not pretty most of the time with the Iowa Hawkeyes. But honestly, you know, they've appeared in Big Ten championship games. They've gotten out to the Rose Bowl. Gopher fans would definitely probably, if you could flip the script and take the Iowa success, would definitely do that. But the Gophers can right a lot of wrongs with the first part of this season if they can come in with the upset at Iowa. Vegas opened up with a 31.5 point over-under, which I think may have been the, I think I read was the lowest over-under either this season or in a while that's been offered for a football game. Yeah, it, it's they're anticipating ugly, but I anticipate a big play here and there. And if, if... If the Gophers can just find a way, and I don't know what that looks like, people. The sports governments, right? I'm not going to sit here and pretend I have all the answers. I, I just report on the games and, and give you my thoughts on them. But, you know, Minnesota just, they have to find a way. And they got to come out and play some inspired ball. And they got to take Iowa out of this game early. They got to keep, you know, those 80,000 fans down there in Iowa City quiet participate in that wonderful wave that they do after the first quarter, uh, a phenomenal tradition. And i, I got to give Iowa credit for coming up with that. That is very cool um, to, to support the kids over at the, at the hospital and, uh, you know, up in that cancer ward there. Um, would love to be able to do that in person one day. That That's really cool. But um, Iowa is just, again, not scary. You know, their their main quarterback goes out for the year, but again, here they are. Go up to Wisconsin. Just find a way to win. Michigan State looks like they have them on the ropes. They just find a way to win. It ain't pretty, but it's successful. And the Gophers have just got to find a way to break through. I don't know what it is. Dominate the ball on the ground. Keep the Iowa offense off the field is going to be a big part of it. 
But that's what the Gophers got to do. I'm not going to sit here and give you predictions on this game or anything, but if the Gophers truly want to salvage their season, they have to win at Iowa. They have to. Because they chalk up another L here. Like I said, bowl contention is going to be real dicey and everything else. So um, it, it really does go beyond a must-win game and beyond the more, you know, the typical trophy um, battles and the battle for Floyd and Rosedale and all that. This could really, really ignite the Minnesota Gophers if they find a way to win this game. So we'll be live tweeting and giving you coverage on gopherhole.com. Make sure you check out uh, gopherhole for the live in-game message boards, which are a lot of fun, a nice way to interact, um, you know, kind of beyond the Twitter, Facebook world. If you want to get live interaction with gopher fans, go to gopherhole.com, go to the football message boards there. Um, you know, create an account if you don't have one and yeah, throw your two cents in. Always fun to kind of chop it up in there with fellow Gopher fans as well. So, all right, folks, we're going to take a quick break here for the sponsors. We will be right back. And when we are back, we are getting right into the Ricky Foggy interview. So I am Vince Wright, sports governor. We'll be right back. Sports done right. Hey, what's up, everybody? Vince Wright, the sports governor and host of the Sports Done Right podcast. And I'm here to tell you about Cultivated CBD. The best CBD products on the market come from Cultivated CBD. So whether you want a roll-on, a smokable option, maybe you want some of the gummies to help you with your anxiety or pain relief, go to CultivatedCBD.com, the best CBD company out there, and tell them Vince Wright, the sports governor, sent you. Seventh app produces the highest quality, best tasting frozen pizza available in the market today. If delicious toppings are what you crave, look no further. Our thin crust pizza are made with the highest quality ingredients, including spicy sauces, hearty meats, and assortment of delicious Wisconsin cheese. The meats are real, no fillers. Check out the brand new breakfast pizza at just some of these great locations like Cup Foods, Holiday Gas Stations, and High V. Seven that pizza before pizza became trendy. Get you some. This is Bobby Boucher from the Fifty Shades of Boucher podcast, and you're listening to Sports Done Right. And folks, like I promised you, we have a gopher legend that joined us tonight, and it is indeed my honor. I mean, this dude was one of my idols, and even though, you know, he's only two, three years older than me, I remember back on the uh, playground, back in the fields of Pearl Park and Kenny Park in South Minneapolis, pretending I had the number 14 maroon jersey, that I was this extremely gifted optional option quarterback like Ricky Foggy was and you know and like I allude to in the interview here um, a black quarterback at the time playing in Minnesota just gave a lot of kids a lot of reasons to watch the Gophers especially if you were a young black kid uh, growing up at that time and watching Ricky lead the Gophers to um, success as well so settle in 
55-minute interview with Ricky Foggy here. And I, again, I, I'm so glad he joined us. I think you'll enjoy this. It was, it was a lot of fun speaking to Rick. So here it is, Ricky Foggy, go for legend. All right, everybody, Vince Wright, the big smooth, the sports governor coming to you with one of the legends of Gopher football. And this is a, a big honor of mine because when I was a kid, a teenager, uh, watching the Gophers back in the Metrodome, when they landed Ricky Foggy, man, I'm going to tell you something. For a, a lot of black kids in Minneapolis, to have a black quarterback at the University of Minnesota was a huge, huge deal. And everybody was sporting number 14 jerseys and everybody – was pretending they were a dual threat quarterback back in the eighties when Ricky was doing it before dual threat was even mentioned in football vernacular. But um, Ricky, again, thank you so much for joining us on the sports done right podcast, man. How you doing? Hey Vince, I'm doing good, man. And what a beautiful day in uh, Minneapolis. And I really want to thank you for having me on. Hey man, I, I appreciate it. So all right, Ricky, let's just get started, man, because, you know, you're out there in South Carolina and we always hear about what football means down south. So, you know, just talk about your early life out there in, in Lawrence. You know, when did you get excited? When did you get into sports in general? And when did you figure out maybe football was the path for you? Oh, man, I'm I'm from a family of I got eight brothers and sisters. Oh. So. uh as soon as I could walk, um, <laughs> I was in. I was playing sports uh, because I'm the youngest, and so I, I've seen all my older brothers and sisters uh, playing sports, and you know it was just, it's a family thing. And so right. I'm from a little town uh, just south of Lawrence. So Lawrence uh, is where we went to high school, uh, okay. but my hometown is Waterloo, and oh, okay. what we always would say to people if you're if you're driving through Waterloo. And you've been down to tie your shoe. By the time you raise up, you missed it. So uh, it's one of those towns we didn't even have a red light, but it's a great community that we grew up in. And, you know, yeah, everybody just plays sports. Um, right. So um, probably from day one, um, like I say, um, being able to walk, I got involved in sports. Um, um, it was just something our family did. And, and my parents always told me, you know, if I wanted to get a college scholarship, right? Um, because we had they had those nine kids, you know, mm -hmm. we got to earn it on our own. So right. uh, they put me in every sport that was possible at, at, at the high school level. Um, right. I grew up playing football, playing baseball, and once I got to high school, I ran track. And mm -hmm. so I remember back in the day, I used to go and play baseball at the baseball game. I hopped the fence and run over and run track, and so. Oh, wow. It was just one of those those deals where it, it was in our blood, and we we grew up mm -hmm. in a community where everybody was involved in sports. Um, right. You know, and if you wasn't involved in sports, you was kind of the weird kid. So everybody played. That was the thing to do. All our buddies played. Right. Um, and so that was just something we did in that community was was play play sports. Nice. Now, Ricky, let me ask you because you were talking about all your brothers and sisters. Uh, where do you rank in the? Uh in the rankings of foggy kids as an athlete, because I, you know, you all played and I know you all probably went hard against each other. So, you know, compared to, to your siblings, where do you think you rank yourself? If I'm ranking myself, <laughs> <laughs> hey, like I said, 
you know, I'm the last of the nine. And so I always told my parents that they saved the best for last. But uh, I had two brothers that was pretty good athletes, too. My uh, my brother Perry played at running back at North Carolina a and Okay. And then I have my brother Gerald who played uh, – actually played both ways at South Carolina State. He played – he started at middle linebacker and also started at fullback. So – um, there's, there's, you know, like I said, if you're asking me, I'm the best, but if you ask those two guys, they're going to say the same thing. They're going to say right. they're the best too. So, uh, <laughs> uh, the only thing I, I got up on them, I told them I was playing on national TV. There you go. There you go. We're going to talk about that in a second too, man, because man, yeah, y'all still should have beat Ohio state in that game. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm we will talk about that in a second, but so, you know, talk about high school football coming up in, you know, South Carolina. Uh, you know, I mean, for folks that don't know, Ricky is actually in the Lawrence County Hall of Fame, by the way, for, for his football feats and whatnot. But, you know, just talk about high school because, you know, you won a state title or two. So you, you played on a high level out there in South Carolina. What was that like? We did. We was in the, um, in the biggest conference. We was in 6A and – you know, we got we got lucky as as athletes. So from our small communities uh, that went to that Lawrence High School, there was probably three communities that came together. There was Waterloo, uh, there was Ennery, and then there was Greycoat. And so we all, those communities, once we got into high school together, uh, there were some serious athletes in that, in, that, in that school. And so going into our junior year, uh, we had a new head coach come in from Furman University. Okay. And uh, his name was Buddy Jennings. And, um, you know, being in the South mm-hmm. and the 70s and 80s, having a black quarterback right. in a high school in general was kind of unheard of. Um, so uh, Coach Jennings came in and he said he was going to let the best athletes play. And so that was right. the biggest thing he allowed us to do, allowed us in it, allowed for me to be able to p- compete for that quarterback position. Um, because they had groomed the kid that was right. supposed to be the starter. And mm-hmm. Coach Jenner said it's an open race. Once he said that, I knew I was going to get it. So uh, nice. um, I wasn't I, – I was probably the best athlete on our football team, but I wasn't the best football player. We had a guy by the name of Lonnie Pulley uh, who was in the South Carolina, South Carolina High School Football Hall of Fame, um, was our running back. So we had – man, we probably had – five to ten scouts come to our practices every week, come to watch us play okay. every Friday. Well, come to watch Lonnie play every Friday because right. it was Lonnie left, Lonnie right. Lonnie's <laughs> clearly going to run it all night. Right. Um, but we ran the option, and so I would break one every now and then. And mm-hmm. so uh, I got noticed through Lonnie. I got noticed from a lot of colleges uh, because, like right. I said, I was probably the best athlete on the team. And so um, just from – that gave a probably I think we got eight guys off our uh state championship 83 football team get division one scots. So uh nice. and we we owe a lot of that to Lonnie Pulley. Right. Um, and so <laughs> so we'll be uh forever grateful for Lonnie. And but it was just a thing to do. You know, we mm-hmm. we we got a coach at the right time that knew how to put each and every player in the right position and let us play. He, he didn't put any restraints on us. Just don't do any foolishness. You guys go out there and play and ball out, and that's what he allowed us to do. Nice. Now, Ricky, because you kind of touched on it, and whenever, you know, we, we talk 
about black quarterbacks, and especially during the time that you were coming up. And like you said, South Carolina, down in the South, um, was yeah, and you talk about the you know having a fair shot finally to, to get that position, but was there any blowback in the community? Did you catch any heat from just like you know p- other parents, fans of the team, um, you know, where it just got racial with you? No, I mean, and and that's the amazing part because we, we it's, it's funny because we went to almost a 95% white high school, right. And so we didn't get anything. Uh, you know, the community supported everybody. I just think our community was just like that. You know, nobody bothered anybody. Because growing up, you did what you saw, right? So you didn't see, um, like, any interracial couples, right? You're seeing black families, and then you're seeing white families. So right, yep. that's how we grew up. And once we got into school, everybody just knew each other from the neighborhood. So no, we didn't have any problems. I mean, my my folks or my mom and dad never had to sit me down and go, hey, you know, we're catching heat because you're playing quarterback. Right. Nothing. Because first of all, we was winning. So <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> right. So everybody likes winning. And so and then too, my dad was a town's barber. He, my dad's my dad was a barber uh, who's owned his barber shop since 1959. And so everybody knew who my dad was, and I'm pretty sure that kind of might have played a role. But just overall, in general, we didn't have anything as from a uh, racial standpoint that we had to worry about. Nice. Well, that's good to hear, man, because, you know, anytime you hear South, black quarterbacks, this and that, you know, your mind just kind of, you know, goes to one place right off mm-hmm. the bat. But that is definitely good to hear. So, you know, you're coming through high school, Ricky, and you're having all this success. The one thing I've always been curious about as we, you know, you're getting to your senior year, you got the state championship, all this stuff. So now you're starting to look at your colleges. How did you get to Minnesota and how did you wind up on Lou Holtz's radar? Well, let me just tell you, I didn't take a a straight route. There's a, there's a, a lot to my story, but I'm going to condense it oh, for you. Look, okay, so I was uh, being heavily recruited by the University of North Carolina, the Tar Heels. Okay. And um, also, um, the coach was Coach Evans. I, I will never forget Coach Evans. He was at my house every weekend. Um, and then I was also being recruited by uh, East Carolina okay. um, by a guy by the name of John Palermo. And so um, I told Coach Evans, I go, on my recruiting trip, I go, if you let me Mike, let me meet Michael Jordan, take me to a basketball game, let me get Mike's autograph on my okay. program afterwards, done, I'm coming. Okay. Done deal. And, uh, and then in the meantime, Coach Palermo um, got hired by Coach Hopes. He left East Carolina to go to Minnesota okay. as their defensive line coach. And little did I know, Coach Palermo was recruiting recruiting my mom harder than he was recruiting me. <laughs> All right, sneaky guy. <laughs> and so I went on my trip to uh, to North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Uh, Coach took me to the game. Coach Evans let me meet Mike after the game. Right, got my autograph. Done. Going home, telling Coach, "Hey, Coach, I'm committing. Coming to North Carolina." Right. And so then my mom go, well, you know, Coach Palermo wants you to come to Minnesota for a visit. 
And I was like, Mom, I'm going to Carolina. I'm going to go to Minnesota. She was like, just go. You know, it's a free trip. As far as you've been is North Carolina, right? And so right. it's like it's free. You get a free weekend. You get to get on an airplane for longer than an hour. Just go check it out. So I came up, and um, I remember I um, met Coach O's for the first time. Um, the thing I remember about the trip is uh, Melvin Anderson and Dwayne Dutrell took me to J.D. Hoyts. Oh, man, I never had so much food so good. I could not believe it. <laughs> Man, I, it's, it's funny you say that, Ricky. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and I was like, you know what? We might have to go check out J.D. Hoyt's for a steak or to get one of the infamous Buddy Bowls down there. But I hear you, man. Uh, and for folks out there listening, one of the best restaurants in Minneapolis. So they were definitely after Ricky if they took him down to J.D. Hoyt's. No question. <laughs> and so uh had a good time. I, it was cold because it was in January. Um had a good talk with Coach Oates, Coach Palermo. Everything was good. You know, I had nothing, I had nothing bad to say about Minnesota, but I, like I told my mom, like, Carolina, I'm going. So I get back home, right, and it's pretty much a done deal. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm sitting at home watching TV, and it, and it goes, Michael Jordan is declaring for the NBA. And I go, what? Mike, Mike's going to the NBA? I go, Mom. I ain't going to Carolina. Mike's going to the NBA. Call Coach Palermo and see if I can come to Minnesota. Oh, wow. No and so, yeah. uh, That's pretty much how it happened. She called Coach Palermo yeah. and he was like, oh, yeah, we'd love to have Ricky to come up and play for us. And uh, and and that was, if Mike hadn't went to the pros, I was going to North Carolina. And, um, but once he, once he declared for the NBA, I jumped ship and uh, that was definitely the right decision for me because North Carolina wasn't sure if they was going to let me play quarterback. Uh, they mm-hmm. probably would have switched me to a DB or wide receiver. Yeah. And so uh, coming to Minnesota was definitely the right decision. Good. And, and you know, that was the thing that I was going to talk about when we get to your pro career, you know, being a black quarterback and especially at that time, you know, the, the NFL just, you know, they didn't want to give brothers a chance really to, to show themselves as a quarterback. So, the infamous, let's put him at a different position um, route, you know. Um, how did you deal with that, Ricky? Because I, I'm kind of going off off the um, way I wanted to do this here, but you had to deal with that, obviously, you know, when you went pro. How did you deal with people wanting you to change positions when you know, hey, man, I'm a quarterback. I can do this. Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty simple to me because they was you know I had scouts coming in and uh, working me out and you know I was running four three into forty and they was wow. like wow you're really fast and you're really quick you know and I'm thinking to myself that ain't what they really want as a quarterback mm-hmm. so uh, you know I, I I seen the writing on the wall you know I knew that that was only Randall Cunningham and I think Warren Moon might have been playing at that time also so. Right. Only two guys out of almost thirty teams. You could, you know, see the writing on the wall. You can, you can see how the scouts are looking at you. And then, um, but I knew I had another avenue, and that was the CFL because I had seen Warren Moon playing up there uh, for years. Uh, I seen Coverage Holloway playing up there. Damon Allen was playing up there. So right. I seen guys that looked like me. 
right? Exactly. Uh, Continuing to play quarterback in the Canadian Football League. So I figured out, you know, right away, that was going to be my avenue. That was going to be my path. Um, and so I wasn't worried about, like, okay. it was never a big dream of mine to, to play in the NFL, right? Oh. So it, I never even knew I'd be a, a quarterback at the University of Minnesota. From right. coming from a little small town in Waterloo, I had never imagined that. And so I already had made my dream come true when I, uh, when I was became a starter as a true freshman uh, for the Gophers. And so mm-hmm. anything after that was going to be great. So let's okay. So then let's talk about your time at the U, and then we'll jump back into the CFL because I I got a lot of CFL questions for you. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, Ricky Foggy comes to the University of Minnesota. Um, you know, in '84 they finished four and seven, but for the first time in two or three years, you guys actually bring back Floyd of Rosedale, which was a huge deal. Um, let me ask you, as you Got to the university, Ricky, and, you know, you're entrenched really in your first year. I mean, you're the man, you're, you know, it's on you. What was the transition like to Division One football for you? I mean, like you said, you know, you're coming from a, a nice program, but, you know, high school and you're taking that next step up. And, you know, you had offers, like you said, you know, you could have played at HBCUs, you could have played at really any d- division level, but you're at D1, you know, you're in the Big Ten. What was that like for you when you got here and you started playing and, you know, the Michigans, the Iowa's, you know, all these other programs and these dudes coming at you? Well, I just think you have to understand that uh, as a high school quarterback, I was already being coached by a college coach. So I was already mentally prepared uh, uh, for the game of Division One. So I wasn't spooked out. Right. And so. And then just being confident in my own athletic skills and my abilities, mm-hmm. I, I already knew I was going to be able to compete. And then on top of that, they implemented the offense that I ran in high school. So okay. I was I was I was up there in Division One running the option, the same thing I was doing in high school. So it was um, you know getting me on the corner is my thing. And so they figured uh, Coach Beckish, my offensive coordinator, Coach Oaks. They figured out early on that, you know, I could run and I could make pe- mm-hmm. people miss. And so we had to do something different to be able to compete in the Big Ten because, I mean, you had um, Mike Tomzak, Jim Harbaugh, um, Jim Everett, and those ball, those guys were throwing the ball. Chuck Long, you know, they throwing the ball all over exactly. the field. So, yeah, so nobody was running the option. And so once we came into the Big Ten and started putting that option on them, you know, like we didn't win a lot of games that first year, but we were in games. Uh, you know, so, you hit, was, yeah, that that's the key. And that was, I think, Ricky, one of the things that really impressed people was you were in games and, and you know, in your first year. And yeah, we, we didn't win a lot of them, but we were in them. And I think, mm-hmm. that, you know, as we talk, we'll move on to talk about the next year. That's what kind of set people up to be like, hey, man, you got to really keep an eye on you know, not only Ricky Foggy, but this Minnesota team as well, as they're kind of sneaky good all of a sudden. Yeah, and the, and the thing that people fail to understand, that's how good coaching is, right? Because in that 83 team, they went 1-10 or 1-11, got blew out by Nebraska, 85-15. Uh, so, 
And then the 84, Coach O's first year, we go four and seven. And like I say, and we kept a lot of games close. That's coaching. Yep. You know, yeah. and, and yeah. putting players I mean, in the right position to be able to compete. And so yeah. that, I think that's the one thing Coach O's was good at, really good at, and also definitely being able to motivate guys to play. I always tell people Coach, mm -hmm. Coach O's could wake a dead man up and get him ready to play. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. So let me ask you this then, Ricky, as we talk about Lou Holtz, because, you know, uh, and we'll we'll get to the departure here in a minute, but, you know, what was your relationship like with him? I mean, you know, you're the quarterback, and we always hear about the head coach-quarterback relationships. You know, what was it like for you and him when it was just you guys, you know, talking football or whatever it was? be honest, we didn't have a, a, a lot of times where we just met um, okay. because um, my quarterback coach, uh, Larry Beckish, um, he, he came down and before I was ready to come to uh, fall camp, he came down uh, one summer in, in July to work me out and he, he couldn't find the high school. Okay. And so he said he, he stopped this guy. This guy was in the woods working, cutting woods on side on, on side of the highway. And Coach Beckett said, he, you know, he just pulled up, uh, went to talk to this guy and go, hey, hey, sir, you know, I'm trying to find Lawrence High School and I'm going to uh, work out this young man named Ricky Foggy. I'm from the University of Minnesota. He go, well, that's my son. Oh, wow. OK. <laughs> and uh and so from that point on, Coach Beckish promised my parents he would treat me um, like one of his kids. And and it's still to this day, uh, his son, Chris Beckish, uh, who played at Totino Grace, played QB uh, mm -hmm. back in the 80s at Totino, always, he, he still always tell me, he goes, man, I swear my dad treated you better than me. <laughs> I go, I go, he probably did only for the reason I was his golden ticket. Exactly. <laughs> but no, I spent I spent a lot of time with Coach Beckish and his family. And um, you know, and I think the time I spent with Coach Hopes was just minimum, you know, okay. making sure I was prepared on uh on Saturday, Saturday afternoons or Saturday nights. Um, but Coach Beckish was my go-to guy. Okay, okay. Um any major blow-ups in games um, from the coaches coming at you. You know, I, I think of Lou Holtz, but, you know, if you didn't spend a lot of time, maybe he delegated that to to your quarterback coach as well. So, you know, when times got tough in a couple games, did the coaches come at you um, a little heavier than you thought they would, so to speak? No, that was, that was, that was Lou's thing. Coach Holtz's thing was he gets you during the week. Ah. Like his practice, his practice was crazy. Like physical quarterbacks was live. Like most guys have red shirts on. You can't mm -hmm. touch the quarterback. Well, that wasn't Coach Hopes. Whoa, really? So he would beat us down during the week in practice. Oh. Beat us, build us back up by Thursday. And then he goes, on Saturday, you guys just go have fun. Go out and play. Because you already have played the game. He was so mentally focused on preparation is that this is one of his stories. We was about to pre play Purdue our freshman, my freshman year. Jim Everett was probably, they was probably averaging 40 points a game. 
And so we're sitting in the film room on Wednesday night uh, talking over the game plan. Lou gets up after the film and goes, oh, we'll easily beat this team by 30. And we're looking around the room like, is this dude crazy? <laughs> right? And so we end up beating them by 32. Wow. Everett couldn't get on the field. We ball controlled him. We ran the option, ball controlled him. He, we, he, we kept him off the field, and we scored on offense. So, I mean, he, he was so good at getting us mentally pre- prepared. So on Saturday, they didn't have to mess with us. You know, we just went out and played ball. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So let me ask you this, Ricky, as we move into your sophomore year at the University of Minnesota, a couple games stick out there because as you were talking about, you know, the team was was being in game, staying in games and, you know, came close against the team that actually became national champions, Oklahoma. And the infamous, as I was saying earlier, Ohio State game, um, you know, Ohio State game. On CBS, national TV, you know, that did not happen at all really for Minnesota. So to turn on, you know, Channel 4 that day and and see the Minnesota Golden Gophers doing their thing against the Ohio State Buckeyes of all teams was something. If you could tell us about those couple games in particular, man, because those are the main programs. And like I said, you know, a couple years ago, losing 83 to, to whatever, nothing or whatever it was to Nebraska to now all of a sudden, man y'all are battling the soon-to-be national champions and almost taking out Ohio State. Yeah, it's, I don't think you really recognize or realize at that time when, when we were playing. Um, I remember probably about 10 years ago, they did a 30 for 30 mm-hmm. on that Oklahoma team. Yep. And they probably had, man, on defense, they probably had six or seven guys going the first round. I mean, they had some studs on that team, mm-hmm. and we did. I mean, that that's 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 Coach Holtz would sometimes take over the play calling duties during the game. Just uh-huh. he, we would have a feel for it, and he would just tell Coach Beckers, "All right, Coach Beckers, you can take those headphones off. I got it from here." Really? And so wow. uh, that's how much football Coach Holtz knew. Uh, mm-hmm. And but. But seriously, we had some we had some athletes on our team. We had some good players. Our defense, we had some really good guys on that team. Uh, Pete Nigerian, Bruce Holmes, Larry Joyner, uh, Anthony Burke. Uh, we had we had some players, right? So we had some players, and I think uh, um, just through coaching and the, the type of offense we ran, we ran the option. Uh, we kept the ball a lot, and. You know, I want to pat myself on the back, but I was, pretty, <laughs> I was a pretty good option quarterback. So you were, um, you were, and so, and th- and that's the way we stayed in games. We 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 almost we lost to Oklahoma thirteen to seven. I got hurt on the last drive, um, trying to uh, the win it the win it at the end of the game against Ohio State. Uh, pulled my groin, and then they they stuffed us on fourth and one. So, yeah. um, and, and those are games that. Nobody would even think we would be here, mm-hmm. right? And so it's just through Coach Holtz putting guys in the right position, getting us mentally and physically prepared to play these games. Because when, when I was playing, it didn't even seem like it was a big deal. Really? Right? Yeah. Not to look yeah. back now and be like, hey, man, these, you know, these guys were really good. Right. But as we're preparing, they're just another team that we got to face and that we, we're going to have an opportunity to win because that's how confident we was as a football team. And even though 
you know, nobody really recognized that outside of the building. But Coach Holtz, that's the kind of uh, fire that he put up under us each and every game. Right. All right, man. So I got to ask you, um, you know, nobody was expecting it probably outside of Lou Holtz, but you know, the call comes. He's going to Notre Dame. Um, you know, question for you, Ricky. And again, folks, Ricky Foggy joining us here on the Sports Done Right podcast with Vince Wright. Um, a, how did you feel? And B, was there any, did he reach out to you at all to maybe follow him down to South Bend since obviously you were his quarterback? Well, first of all, my my high school coach, called it. He told me he wasn't going to stay. He said, you, oh. he go, I'm not going to tell you where to go. You know, that's your own decision, but Coach oh. Holtz is not going to stay there more than two years. So wow. he called it, right? Oh. Even, even before I got to, got to Minnesota. Wow. And then two, um, Coach Holtz only took uh, uh, Vince Serrato with him, who was the recruiting coordinator. And so my the staff stayed. And so oh. Coach Baxter was still there. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't want to go to Notre Dame. And no, no, even on top of that, they wouldn't take and you couldn't transfer at that time. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, as long as I had Coach Beckish, I was fine. You know, oh, because okay. he was he was my man. He was my my quarterback coach slash dad. And then they bumped uh Coach Gutekunst up to be the head coach. And what was your relationship like with Gutekunst? Um, did it kind of stay the same as it was with Lou Holtz, where you, you know, maybe just met as needed? Were you a little closer to Gutekunst than you were Holtz? How did that relationship work out when John took over? No, it was the same. You know, Coach Gutekunst was, uh, uh, you know, excellent guy. Um, but he was a defensive guy. So it, my relationship kind of stayed the same with Coach Beckish. You know, right. he was he was my go-to guy. Um, met with Coach Goody, like you said, if there was a need to. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I think the, the thing for me uh, as a quarterback and, and, and the reason why I was able to be successful as a true freshman is they didn't look for me to be the leader, right? They had We had leaders on that football team. You know, right. we had a guy like Ray Hitchcock, who mm-hmm. was a center for, for our yeah. football team. You know, we had Pete Nigerian. You know, we had, like I say, Bruce Holmes, Melvin Anderson, Dwayne Dutrell. So only thing I had to do was go in there and ball out. You know, I just had to go play. And so I didn't have to be that leader my first couple of years because we had guys on that team who policed our locker room and made sure everybody was on the straight and narrow. Right. And, you know, speaking of being the option quarterback, one of your options, big number 39 from Rochester behind you, um, you know, one of the great <laughs> do Daryl Thompson, uh, you know, what was it like to, you know, you know, you, you are a skilled quarterback, you can do a lot, but to know that you have that type of running back behind you, I mean, that has got to take a lot of weight off your shoulders at times. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> Man, we seen Daryl come walking through the door, and we were like, "Man, this guy must be a heck of a linebacker." And they go, <laughs> "No, nah, this is going to be your starting running back." I'm like, "This dude is huge!" And so, not on, not only was for uh, incoming freshman, but Daryl was fast and powerful, and and so, no, it did, it did, it it, it took me a minute to. 
Uh, and Daryl would tell you, if you ever talk to him yourself, it took me a minute or a couple games to start pitching him the ball a little more often because I was so used to keeping it. And he wanted me to share more. So right. <laughs> and even if, even if you ask him now, he said I should have pitched it to him a little bit more. But, right. <laughs> I mean, when Daryl took that took that hand off against Michigan and went 99 yards in a, in a blur, uh, you know, we knew he was special. There's no right. question. The guys have had some special talents. And, you know, you guys were just celebrated, you know, recently at the, at the game, the Michigan game. And, you know, the, you guys took him down. I mean, you you guys beat Michigan and as Gopher fans, Gopher Nation, I mean, obviously, and, you know, coming over this past uh, week and a half ago here, we do not get to say that too often, but man, you guys did it. What was that like before I, I before I leave college I, I, and get to your bowl games real quick? I mean, what was it like to beat Michigan? That must have been something. Oh, it was it was it was just amazing. Uh, I think that's the the best word I can come up with uh, because we went down as a 26 point underdog. Um, they're they're number two in the nation. Uh, playing in the big house. <laughs> and so I think the the thing that made it me comfortable, we we had played down there two years previous to that. And so uh, being, playing in front of that big crowd, right. it didn't scare us, okay. you know, because we had been there before. And then all of a sudden our defense woke up that day. Um, oh. They got five turnovers. And then you look deep in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. we're still in the game. Yep. Right, we're still in there, so they they let us hang around, and so yeah. it's it's been the same since the beginning of time in sports. If you don't put a team away and let them hang 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 around, mm-hmm. then there's a good chance you might lose a game, and then you know they end up letting us get the ball last um, to uh, at the end of the game, and so mm-hmm. uh, Daryl may I think Daryl had two big time third down runs uh, to keep the drive alive, and then. Um, we we had a third and eight um, coming out of timeout. Coach Goody won't ask me if I wanted to uh, run it, let Daryl run, or give me the option to sprint out. And then, mm-hmm. of course, that's a no brainer. Give me an option to sprint out to my left to run a pass. And everybody on our team knew I was going to find a way to run it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, uh, you know, I sprint left. I seen mm-hmm. the cut back to my right, so I cut back right, and I seen my buddy Melvin Anderson coming back to make a block. Um, Mel sprung me for another probably 10 to 15 yards to get us in a uh, really good field goal range. And just seeing Chip Mo Miller go out there and, you know, set up for the field goal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, if anybody knew Chip Lo Miller, they knew he was money. And so, I, uh, it, it, you know, Chip is one of the most underrated just gophers, I think, in history. People, because, you know, he's a kicker and people don't really think of that position like a quarterback and everything. But like you said, man, Chip Miller was money. I mean, he, he was solid and a huge leg. Yes. And so, you know, in, in the, the surreal moment is actually hearing uh, 104 or 103,000 fans go completely silent. Right. Yep. That was that was beautiful. I can imagine that, that must have been something. So as we end up with the, you know, the gopher career and folks, again, the one and only Ricky Foggy joining us here on the Sports Done Right podcast. A few more minutes with him before we let him go. So, Ricky, you know, you lead the gophers to bowl games, um, you know, the Independence Bowl, the Liberty Bowl. And then now, 
as your time is coming to an end, like you said, let's get back into the CFL. Now you, it sounds like you have an idea, you know, that you're probably going to be going to the CFL, the NFL, like you said, really isn't an option. So what did you do and, and what was your preparation like, I guess, for the CFL? Because it's a different field. You know, they still got the goalpost up at the front. You know, mm-hmm. it's a whole different scene, three downs as opposed to four. What was your preparation like to kind of learn the CFL game as you were getting ready to enter their draft? Um, like I said, I had I had watched some games on TV because mm-hmm. ESPN was actually carrying them at that time. Right, yep. And so uh, just from that, just the one thing that really stuck out to me was the size of the field. Uh, I'm and I go. If I can run on a college football field, they put me on a Canadian football field, which is huge. I'm like, these guys gonna have a hard time catching me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I got again, I got lucky because uh, you know I hired an agent, and so at that time, um, Canadian teams was going by regions, and so Minnesota was in. Uh, the BC Lions region, so they don't particularly have a draft. Okay. Uh, so I was, if I was going to the CFL, that was the first team I had to go to because they had my rights. Oh, okay. Was BC Lions, and so uh, fortunate enough, um, I, I got to a training camp. Uh, they had a um, a guy named Matt Donigan, who's in the CFL Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. was their starting quarterback. Um, and then we had a couple of rookies, me and a good friend of mine uh, named Willie Gillis, who played at Norfolk State. Um, we was competing for the second and third string uh, position. And so and we were also fortunate enough to have a uh, uh, coach offense coordinator by the guy's name is Adam Rita. And Adam is also in the CFL Hall of Fame as a coach because this guy we were running plays back in the 80s and 90s that some NFL teams are just now starting to run. Wow. And so his, his, his offensive innovation was spectacular, even, you know, for back then in the 80s and 90s. And so um, just being able to be groomed by him and being able to play behind a guy um, like Matt Dunnigan my first year, um, taught me a lot about uh, about the CFL, and I was fortunate enough where I was able to, you know, sit back and learn and watch and learn the game because right. it was different. You know, yeah. it was the receivers going in motion towards the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's 12 guys instead of 11. Right. You know, the field is 120 yards long instead of 100, and then it's um, 58 yards wide. And so it's a big field, like you say, three down instead of four. So um, game management is a little different in the CFL than it would be even in college football. So that was a lot I had to learn. So I was grateful to be able to sit and learn my my rookie year. Right. And so, you know, I remember watching you with Toronto and you know, the good old Argonauts up there. And, you know, in the, what was it, 91? Yeah. You reached the top up there, man. Great cup. Yeah. You did it. I mean, so what was that like, you know, being part of a championship team in your professional league up there? Because, I mean, uh, you know, again, from South Carolina to Minnesota, 
I mean, you kept going north, bro. I mean, now you're up in Canada, <laughs> but yet here you are, great cup champion. I mean, that must have been something. No, it was awesome. I mean, um, there's guys from that team that, that we're still like brothers oh, till this I'm day. Sure. You know, that was just a special team. Nothing would ever trump that 86 game against Michigan. Mm-hmm. But being with that team in 91, which we actually started in 90. We should have went further in 90, um, but we got beat in the Eastern Conference Finals. And so we brought – they brought on Rocket Ishmael from Notre Dame on that 91 team. And he was a special team's nightmare, oh, yeah. that guy. And so, uh, you know, we had um, – Wayne Gretzky was one of our owners. Um, John Candy was one of the owners. And, you know, he's a Canadian guy. And so we had a fanfare and we had some guys that could play ball. We had this little guy named Michael Pinball Clemens. Uh, he was a five, six running back slash slot receiver. Okay. <laughs> to not tackle this guy in a phone booth. Right. right. That's how good he was. But no, that, that winning the great cup in 91 was really special. We had, uh, had a team of athletes that could just get down the field. And uh, mm-hmm. and we had a defense that wouldn't let people score. Uh, so that was a special team. And, uh, you know, those are memories that I, I can hang on to for the rest of my life. Oh, and, and totally deserved because, Ricky, I'm going to tell you something, man. You were really the only reason I, I was watching CFL football. You know, I mean. I appreciate say, that. Hey, you know, Ricky, a former golfer. And, yeah, there's a few other names up there that we knew and stuff. But it was like, because like I said, Ricky, to grow up in Minneapolis like I did and, and, you know, and I told you my connection to Sandy Stevens. Oh, yeah. You know, so the the black quarterbacks just always been a very, um, it's been a topic that's always kind of been brought up in our household. My dad and, you know, um, I didn't know Sandy very well, but when he was around and when I was around him, you know just hearing even little stories when I was a kid of what he went through and, and the things he had to deal with when, you know, for him to get to Minnesota mm-hmm. and see you up there in Canada. And not only that, man, having success. I mean, it wasn't like, Hey, Ricky Foggy's carrying the clipboard around, you know, <laughs> Ricky was doing things. So that was, that was great to see. Let me ask you this about Canada as we only got a couple more minutes with you, Rick, you know, what was the experience like for you, north of the border i mean i know it's kind of a a general question but you know i mean like i said from from you know low country south carolina man to canada i mean culture shock a little bit i mean i know toronto's a pretty americanized city so probably not you know too much of a jump there but what was it like for you being in canada all those years no it was beautiful i mean my kids um got to uh experience different different cultures you know, they got to travel. Um, and so, um, no, it, it was awesome, man. I mean, I think just being an uh, athlete, mm-hmm. you know, people treat you different, of course, mm-hmm. uh, because you're a professional athlete. But we we just we just hung together. Like, all the families hung together. All the players hung together. Uh, you know, every team I was on, um, that's the way it was. And so, we wouldn't go on and having no bar fights or anything, anything <laughs> crazy like that. Um, we we just hung together, and 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 even from when I was a rookie until my my tenth year, when I finished um, 
uh, with the Memphis Mad Dogs. So yeah. um, it's a small league, right? So there's only nine teams. So everybody know everybody. Right. right? So, yeah. yeah. While yeah. you go on the road, you're going to know somebody on the other team. Right. So like, like when I was playing in Toronto, my teammate, Bruce Holmes, was playing in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Bruce clotheslined me on the on the on the sideline during the game, and uh, he was the first player to get suspended in the CFL. Period. <laughs> Bruce was clotheslining his homeboy. Yeah, oh, and and the GM goes, "Man, aren't you just just ticked off?" I'm like, "No, that's the way Bruce plays." I said, "I've been doing going. I've been dealing with that in college for years." Exactly. And so not only oh. that, we're going out to have a drink after the game. He thought I was crazy. That's good to hear, man. That is yeah, but you know, no, I think it's I've, I've had a great experience with my football career. You know, there's nothing I would change. There's absolutely nothing I would change about it. Well, that's good to hear. So, in the last few minutes that I have you, Ricky, you went from CFL. You also played arena football. What was that like? I mean, again, we talk about another transition here. I mean, now you're you're playing in in a hockey rink, basically. But yet, arena football was is was and is a very popular sport, man. So, what was that like to kind of continue your career doing what you love, but in a very different aspect now in arena football? Oh, it it was another uh, another game that I had to learn um, when I came here for the Minnesota Fighting Pike right. in nineteen ninety six. Man, I was throwing some heat. You know, because I was on that big field, yep. right? And so um, they had a guy named Jeff Lutz who played at Minnesota, Mankato State. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jeff was a really good – he's a really good friend of mine and was a really good quarterback. So I just sat – I'm like, I know you guys pay me the money, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have the game down yet. So Jeff started uh, the first three or four games – um, that year in 96, just so I could get acclimated to the game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once I once I got the hang of it and um, took some of that heat off of my passes, um, it was great because we were throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. Right. And yeah. So uh, from a quarterback standpoint, again, it's it's a it's an air show. And so it, it was it was different. You know, the fans are right on top of you. The guys tack you out of bounds, which was throwing you over the boards. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it was a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting game. You know, you put up a lot of points. And, again, it, it allowed me to continue playing quarterback and, at, in a different arena. And it was great. It was a, it's a fun game. It's a great game. Nice. All right. So, folks, um, our last few minutes here with the Gopher legend, Ricky Foggy. And, again, Ricky, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, man. Um, let me ask you this, uh, you know, so your football career comes to an end or is coming to an end. And, you know, you've become a pretty successful high school coach here in Minnesota for football. Is Was that something you always wanted to do is to get into coaching after your days were going to be gone? Or did you want to take another route and just kind of wound up coaching high school football. How did that career come into play? So after, uh, after I was, they told me I was too old to continue to play in arena football, oh. um, okay. <laughs> which I was, I was probably 38 or 39 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, 
what's next, right? And so right. Um, they they was instead of the arena team, they were starting the arena two, which was going to be like a farm league for the arena, mm-hmm. arena league. And so was, I hopped in right into that in, in uh, Amarillo, Texas. Um, co-signed up for two years as an offensive coordinator. Okay. And then um, I went to uh, South Georgia with Derek Stingley. I uh, oh, was down there with Derek, with Coach Stingley for two years. Okay. And then um, I'm like, all right, it's enough arena two football. I'm going back to Minnesota. And then um, I was just going to relax and take some time off. Mm-hmm. Um, I had athletic director from um, Park Center High School yeah. call me and said he had a head coaching position open. And I was like, man, I don't, you know, I don't really want to coach no high school football. I just want to take a couple of years and figure out what I'm going to do. Right. It's like, just come up here and talk to me. You know, let's sit down and talk. Our program hasn't been good. You right. know, just see if it's something you'd be interested in. I went and talked to him. And he talked about, he talked about Coach Holtz for two hours. Mm. And he goes, if you want the job, you got it. Right. <laughs> So uh, I took the job at Park Center, and it was wonderful. You know, there's some kids up there um, um, just needed some guidance. You know, it's not all about what happens on the football field. Absolutely. It gives you an opportunity to affect these kids' life on and off the football field. And so that's the role I told my coaches. I go, you know, we got to play Andover, you know, Maple Grove, you know, we ain't gonna beat these teams. Let's be serious, like right. right. Let's be realistic here. It's gonna we it's very difficult to beat those big schools. So yeah. let's win off the field, right? Let's if some kids want to go to college, let's get them pointed in the right direction. Right on. Right. Yep. And so we had one kid by the name of uh a money hooker. He was a freshman. And we was going through varsity practice, and Imani was walking to the freshman field. And I told Coach Strong, who was my defensive back coach, I go, man, go get that kid. He's going to be on the varsity team. He was like, you serious? And he's like, yeah, he's a freshman. I'm like, I don't care. That dude got a body of a kid on the varsity right. team. <laughs> and so, you know, story, long story short, we know where money is right now today. So uh, nice. that's just coaching I wanted to give back because somebody gave me an opportunity um, somebody showed me the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to, you know, have time for me to give back to the community because I was given the opportunity. Right. Exactly. And then, you know, you go down to Red Wing, Minnesota, um, continue the success there. And, and Ricky, the one thing I got to ask you, man, because you've done it all, you know, coaching everything else, all your work with the Gophers and everything else, but man, all I see you doing is either working out or golfing, <laughs> working out or golfing. Yep. Man. And, you know, you, you have to take care of your body if you want to live long. Yes. Right. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have uh, some type of sport to keep you active. And so that's golf for me. Right. And don't get it wrong. I'm sitting in my car right now because I drive Lyft and Uber at night. So I got like two or three part-time jobs. So I do actually work to those people okay. who think I don't because they <laughs> see me on Facebook all the time. Man. Now, <laughs> hey, Gopher fans, that's something that if you if, – I'm telling you, if the, after a game, Ricky Foggy pulls up and he's your Uber or Lyft driver, tip accordingly, okay? Make sure. Make sure. But <laughs> – Hey, Ricky, before I get you out of here, man, first off, again, thank you for taking, you know, 50 minutes out of your time here. Um, 
the one thing I want to get before I let you out of here tonight, Gophers um, having a tough season, quarterback, you know, who a lot of Gopher fans were expecting more of and thought we were going to get more of right now with uh, Ethan Kalik Manis. Um, and, you know, I guess fair to say he's he's definitely struggling, um, mm-hmm. producing the way people, and I'm sure his the team wants him to. And I'm sure he he wants himself to. I mean, he's a real nice kid. He's got all the tools and everything. Gophers going down to Iowa this weekend. Um, you know, Florida Rosedale, which we have not had for a very long time here. What do you? I guess my question is, Ricky, for you. What do you think the Gophers have to do this weekend to pull off the upset and bring that pig home? They got to be able to run the ball. Um, you know, I think the one thing that Iowa is always good at. It's unfortunate for our team this week is defense. Like yeah. they're always silent on defense. Yeah, absolutely. They might not be able to move the ball on offense, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, but <laughs> right. their defense is always solid. Mm-hmm. So they have to be able to establish the run to take some pressure off of our QB. Mm-hmm. On first and second down, and get him in third and manageable downs. Yeah, and then, um, you know he, he's he's playing against some tough competition. I mean that's just a that's just the way it is, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and you know he ain't he ain't gonna catch no slack from here on out. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. it's, it's gonna get harder. And so I still just think he's a young quarterback. Um, you know I think it was a mistake for him to come out and say you know this guy gonna be our first guy that we get drafted in the NFL I think that's puts too much pressure on a young quarterback yeah I agree right so I think you just have to go back um to the basics um you know footwork ball placement and build and build some confidence up I think he I think he's kind of lacking confidence a little bit mm-hmm. and so um he got to build his confidence back up. He's got to build his confidence back up. But everybody's got to play for their quarterback. You know, I think that was the biggest reason I had success in college yeah. is that everybody wanted to play for me. Like, we were a team, a family. And so we went out and we played for each other. Right. Ricky, I, I think that's kind of the perfect way to end this interview, man. I, I think that was spot on. And I think the Gophers definitely got to, hey, man, they got to get you back in there for another uh, pregame chat. <laughs> uh, was I, I know you were uh, speaking to the team there the other week, man. So, um, Mr. Foggy, I just want to thank you for, again, taking time out of your schedule tonight. Um, we're coming to the end of the golf season here, but I'm definitely going to get you out on the links next year and catch up with you a couple times. And, um, you know, hopefully I could catch you at one of these games here, man. But again, I, bro, I just wanted to thank you for uh, making a little childhood dream of mine come true. Because like I said, man, number 14 was that dude for me, you know, when I was, um, you know, I'm only a couple years younger, but just watching you play as a kid here in South Minneapolis, man. And, you know, then going out down to the park and playing with my friends, thinking I, I had that maroon 14 on my chest doing things. <laughs> Man, you were something, Ricky. So on behalf of Gopher Nation, thank you for everything you've done and thank you for still being involved with the program. And, man, we will definitely be talking to you soon. Hey, thanks, Vince. Appreciate you having me on, brother. All right. All right, folks. And, again, the one and only Ricky Foggy joining us on the Sports Done Right podcast. Again, my honor 
and it was a treat to have the gopher legend on and we will definitely be reaching out to him in the future as well so folks that's a great way to end this interview i or to end the show I want to thank you all for supporting the Sports Done Right podcast. I want to thank you all for supporting Cultivated CBD and 7th Avenue Pizza. Listen, um, our show sponsors and and the shows that they they sponsor elsewhere support these two companies, locally owned, um, you know, THC Marijuana, now legal in Minnesota. Cultivated is about to really expand their catalog and 7th Avenue Pizza is just the best frozen pizza out there. And listen, I ain't dogging on anybody's favorites. There's a lot of good frozen pizzas in Minnesota. But the reason 7th Avenue is my favorite, and they were my favorite before they sponsored this show. <clears throat> Excuse me. The ingredients, their sauce, and, you know, the sausage, I mean, just the, the way it all blends together, baby, 7th Avenue Pizza. So, again, cultivated CBD, 7th Avenue Pizza. Make sure you get you some and support them. And, again, thanks to the one and only Ricky Foggy for coming on the Sports Dumb Right podcast tonight. We will be back next week working on more guests and hopefully talking about a gopher surprise victory over Iowa. We will see. Um, we will delve in. We'll do a little recap of the twin season as they bowed out to Houston. But, you know, they they won a series. They won some games and definitely building and going in the right direction, hopefully there. So Vikings, they beat Chicago. Um, we'll touch base with them. It's, you know, they're they're two and four. Lot to make up, but it can be done. It can be done. So I am Vince Wright Sports Governor, the big smooth one. You guys be cool, be safe in them streets, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Sports Done Right with your host, the governor of Minnesota Sports Talk, the Honorable Vince Wright. Check out Sports Done Right every Tuesday night. And when it's over, stay up on all of the breaking sports news and commentary by joining the Sports Done Right Facebook group. Let your voice be heard and join the conversation right now. You finally got it right with Sports Done Right. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.